Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast NBA edition. Today we are at the halfway point of the NBA season. So giving you an update on what's been going on, where we're at and where we're heading post this all-star break that's going to be happening next week at the time of our recording. So we have the NBA aficionado with us, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? Martin, I'm not doing well. I got to admit, I'm, uh, I'm struggling over here. Struggling? What's struggling? And also, by the way, first pot of 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. First, first one of 2024. I'm, I'm struggling because I just can't take so much Cavs winning. <laughs> the Cav- the Cavalanches, the Cavs landslides, the, the just running away with it. 16 of 17, uh, number two seed in the East. I can't take it. Eight, so much to deal with. Eight game winning streak currently as of right now. It's, it is amazing what happens when you get all your horses back healthy. And even when they weren't healthy, they figured out a way. Now, some, some soft parts in the schedule absolutely helped here and there. But, you know, I'm tired of hearing that from the national media when they try to put an asterisk on it. We took two or three from the Bucks in the stretch. Um, you know, there was one game they didn't have Giannis, of course, but, um, you know, it, we've just taken out anybody in our, in our way. Our, the one loss in there was to the Bucks, where, again, we played them like three times in two weeks. And, I mean, you're bound to drop a game. It's still Milwaukee. But, man, what a run. Yeah, I really don't get what the media saying like the soft schedule of that point because when you play who's on your schedule that's always been a thing is history is time and then if you even look at it they destroyed the kings who are a good team they beat probably the other hottest team in the league the clippers they beat them a couple weeks ago like you said the game against milwaukee milwaukee orlando's a good team so it's like they're they're still beating good teams and you got to win these games because if we weren't winning those games the media would say Look at the Cavs faltering during the schedule. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. Absolutely. Well, let's Martin. Let's dive in on that that mid year um, check in. So let's start in the East, and we'll we'll spend some time on the Cavs here. So at as of February tenth, uh, our February tenth recording here, um, we have the Celtics uh, at forty and twelve, number one seed. Followed by Cleveland um, at 34 and 16. Um, then the Bucks three games back in the loss column at 34 and 19. You've got the Knicks who have you know been on an impressive run themselves. Yep. Obviously, um, very close to what the Cavs have been doing. Sixers have been sliding without Joel Embiid. They're your five seed, 30 and 21. You've got the Pacers uh, 29 and 24. The Heat at 28 and 24. Magic at 28 24. Um, and then your other two potential play-in folks, the Bulls and Hawks, 25 and 27 and 23 and 29 out in mediocre lands. So, um, you know, from my perspective, you know, the Celtics, I mean, again, they're your, they're your best team in the East. I mean, they've just got it so many different ways. The acquisition of, of Drew Holiday, I mean, Drew is, Drew has not been scoring the ball as he should, but um, the emergence of Derek White and that scoring ability, but we all know Drew's there for his defense. You know the the depth with with Sam Hauser shooting off the bench and and Peyton Pritchard providing valuable minutes and then just obviously what Kristaps Porzingis has done and he stayed healthy so um, 
they've been an impressive, impressive uh, ball club. Um, a lot of questions coming in the season with Joe Missoula, some of his rotation, some of his lack of ability to call timeout um, in his first year last year. So, I mean, obviously it'll be a moot point once we get in the playoffs and stuff changes, just like for the Cavs when, you know, they were unable to rebound and be physical with New York and they were a first round exit last year, provided, you know, people with a lot of, a lot of question marks for stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the Cavs, I want to dive a little bit into just kind of the, the job that, that JB has done um, managing minutes with so many people out. So you have Darius Garland, you know, getting popped in the face in, in Boston, had to have his jaw wired shut, um, missed a number of number of games, um, lost weight because you can only drink through a straw. Evan Mobley with the, the light knee uh, scope um, was out for a while too. And it was the Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen show for, you know, the majority of the stretch. Um, you know, you had Tristan Thompson playing some huge minutes, physical minutes, menacingly setting screens um, for these shooters, Sam Merrill, Max Drews, um, George Niang. Um, and then obviously he got popped with the 25 game suspension for, you know, uh, an illicit substance. We, you know, we sorely will need him back and then we'll have to see, was it all the juice or does he still have something left in the tank? I mean, everybody thinks he's ancient. He was on an NBA news desk, you know, last year before the uh, Lakers signed him off the scrap heap, but He's still a relatively younger guy in early thirties. I mean, he's not, he's not, we're not talking about a 38 year old by any means. So, but I mean, what Donovan was able to do, um, Martin, you go through the, the list of games um, you would throw in the chat for, uh, from, you know, just where, we're, where we've been in the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the leading score in so many of them, 26, 45, 34, 18, 26. 23, 32, 28, 45, um, another 40 piece at Washington three nights ago. And then uh, leading score 27 against Brooklyn. And they got Toronto tonight on the road. Um, we've never, and then what he's been able to do distributing the ball too. And I, I don't want to lose sight of the, the defensive side. I don't, I, you know, obviously the numbers, it's an, it's an offensive game, right? When you see, you know, it's all oh, such and such drop this, this night. Oh, well, you know, Booker went for, for 60 plus, um, you know, uh, Embiid went for 70. Like it, it's always going to drive the discussion, but what Donovan's doing on both ends of the ball. And that was a major question mark coming in is you, can you have really have two small guards when the Cavs picked up Donovan Mitchell to be, to, you know, night in and night out, um, you know, get abused by the other team's best offensive player. Mitchell's second in the league in steals. Um, the other night he had three steals and three blocks. Um, on top of his 27 in, in Brooklyn. Um, and it, the team had a, a season high in blocks, I think, with, with 12 as a team. But he's doing it on both sides of the ball. JB's, you know, putting in a lot of these rotation players. The emergence of Sam Merrill, just, I mean, an absolute flamethrower when you need him, when the offense is bugged down, shots aren't going in. That dude just doesn't miss. Um, Isaac Okoro's played really good minutes. Um, he's attacking the ball attacking the basket more than we've ever seen being physical, getting to the line. Um, Dean Wade, after a year of injury last year, has, has really come in and provided some steady minutes. And then from a, um, from another ball handler standpoint, Harris Levert, who took, you know, arguably a pay cut to come back this year on a couple year deal. Um, you know, he's, he, he could go off. You give him the minutes. I mean, he can, he can get you 15, 29. I think he's fifth or sixth and uh, six man scoring in the league. 
So, I mean, they're, they're getting it from a variety of areas, uh, areas and it's not, you know, it's not so just the Donovan Mitchell show. Players are engaged. Um, when something goes wrong, you know, we, we've got a, a, some depth in the bench we can swing to. When George Niang does too many of those, hey, lose, dribbling the ball off myself, trying to attack the basket or just gets, you know, abused on the defensive side and makes bad plays or a bad foul, you know, JV is not quick or is not slow to take him out. Swap him in with, you know, uh, back back to a Max Struess, um, who's able to give you a little bit more defensively, or a Dean Wade, and we just keep the shuffle going around the the big four. So, Martin, I've talked long enough. Um, it, agree, disagree on anything? Any areas from what you've watched you want to expand upon? Just kind of editorializing the uh, the the run that the, that Cleveland's been on to the two seeds. Yeah. So I don't think. Well, one, no one expected them to be this high at this point of the season at the two seed. Even us ourselves, we had them at the preseason. We were doing it around the three, four-ish range because of uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee. But with Milwaukee, when you talked about Donovan playing on both ends, offensively and defensively, uh, I mean, that's the thing Milwaukee is not doing right now. They're not playing good defense at all, hence their record. Um, since we've been gone, Adrian Griffin was fired. Doc Rivers has come in. He's been one in five. Or No, they won yesterday. So two and five since um, he's become the head coach. And we've been able to capitalize. I mean, I'm just really impressed. I know we talked about Donovan, but I've also been impressed with Jared Allen. Like, I know last year he had the famous quote after we lost in the first round to the Knicks about like the lights were brighter than he expected in the playoffs and all of that. But to me, man, he has been this tear that he's been on to along with Donovan. I think he needs some more uh, recognition as well. He absolutely does. He's averaging um, a, a double double, set the franchise record for most consecutive double doubles. You know, in this streak, uh, 15, 15 points a game, ten rebounds a game, and he's distributed almost three assists a game at sixty four percent from the field. So, I mean, he's had some massive, massive games in there. Um, you go back to that Clippers game, right? Um, you know, despite all the athleticism that they have, getting boards and stuff, he had twenty and seventeen and three assists, um, you go to, you know, battling against uh, young Wemby there, 29 points, 16 boards, two assists. Um, he had a 30-point-12 game, uh, 30 points uh, and 12 rebound with six assists and uh, two blocks in the only loss against Milwaukee. So you think about the size of Milwaukee, you know, he's the main guard on Giannis because he's a sinking coverage when Giannis starts attacking the basket and starts you know, flexing his muscle and playing bully ball. Um, he's the main, he's the main um, resource to put on Giannis. And he put up 30, 12, six and two on 15 of 17 from the field against Milwaukee in that, that eight point loss on uh, um, back in, uh, back in December. So. Man, they're, they're going. They're going now. I'm interested to see if we can keep this up in the second half of the season post All-Star break. And then we know from last year, when we get to the playoffs, are we going to keep this 
keep this going because currently if the playoffs obviously we wouldn't know who we'd play because it depended on the play in games how that would go but we go to the playoffs as a two seed if by the slightest chance the very very minute chance that cleveland goes into potentially as the one seed i mean they're five games back but you never know what could happen cleveland gets to the one seed man you gotta strongly very strongly consider donovan mitchell as a nvp candidate if you're not so already doing so I mean, you have to. I mean, I think there's good. It's definitely at this point worth, I think, slapping down two, three, five bucks on him for MVP odds before they start to. I think I just was listening to another podcast this morning where somebody said I think he was 300 to one odds at the start of last week. And as of yesterday, he's 150 to one odds. So before those keep climbing, slap a couple bucks down because, I mean, you know, should the Celtics, I mean, should the Celtics have, you know, some kind of injury or or have a couple people banged up or something like that and the Cavs are able to continue you know not at the pace they're they're doing right now but you know they're able to to, to catch them and um ascend uh yeah absolutely he's your he's your most valuable player so I think for the Cavs moving forward obviously they make a trade trade deadline piece um you know I, I was glad they didn't because I, I just want to see this team healthy moving forward. I mean, let's dial back to last year. Um, there was before everybody started getting injured and they ended up kind of faltering. Um, you know, they were, they were chasing up pretty high in the standings as well for some of these uh, top seeds. And then even in the year before where they made it to the play in game, I believe early on, they were at one point, I think for, even if it was just for a couple of days were the one seed uh, two years ago. So they've got it within them. They need to, who knows what the rest of the buyout market's going to look like. Um, we're starting to see some people bought out, but I, I just really want, I, we've got two open roster spots. At some point, you're going to have to convert Craig Porter Jr. Um, to a, uh, a big league deal. He's got, um, I, I think you have, if you appear in 30 of the team's 82 games, you have to, and he's already, I think, close to 20 games he's appeared in. So, I mean, that's going to be a given as one of your roster spots. And then, um, you know, buyout wise, I, I don't know who it is, Martin, but I just not knowing, you know, what you're getting back with Tristan Thompson when he's back for the, you know, close to the playoffs, but just another big body in case, you know, Allen or Mobley get caught up in foul trouble for the Embiid, you know, for um, Milwaukee to just to have some more front court beef, more or less to, uh, to throw at some of those folks, um, you know, that's, that's the, the one piece I think we, we need is just another, another big, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Martin, as we look through the rest of the East real quick, um, shifting away from the Cavs, what else, what else stands out to you on, you know, how some of the other teams have performed? Well, I, mean, I already talked about uh, Milwaukee. It's crazy at 34 and 19. These past couple games have been disappointing. And just like future projecting the way they don't play defense and the way they keep losing this team. If if Milwaukee doesn't get it together and it holds serve throughout the second half and they have to play Indiana in the first round, I honestly think Milwaukee's gonna go home. Like I just think they're you you need to play defense when you go to the playoffs. Like offense can carry you oh so far, but their defensive um effort is very lackluster. Fourth, the Knicks. Like we've already talked about, they've they've been balling. Brunson, 
<laughs> he's really good, and I, I think they won the trade. I know we'll get to the trade deadline and all this stuff, but I think they're really good. I mean, the Sixers without Joel, they're slipping, but Tyrese Maxey's really good. Besides, besides that, I from our it, everything else is holding serve. I mean, Miami, Orlando, Chicago, Atlanta. I mean, these are all teams we expected in this playoff thing. I just don't think anyone expected the Cavs to be two and the Knicks to be four right now. Yeah, I mean, New York. I don't. New York is. Uh, I mean, still we still got the bad taste in our mouths in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. But um, you know what they were able what they were able to do. Um, you know, you've got this. Toronto fire sale that they were able to capitalize on part of that. The Pacers on the other half where, you know, you acquire OG Ananobi for, you know, less than what people were asking last year. I mean, famously it was like floated that, you know, Toronto turned down like potentially like three first from Memphis or another suitor for OG. And, you know, the Knicks didn't have to give up, you know, a, a whole lot draft capital wise. Um, so they send RJ Barrett to, the Toronto, um, they send quickly to Toronto. They get back OG and Precious uh, Achua for some front court depth too. Um, and then, you know, they made some splashes at the trade deadline, which we'll we'll get to after we go through the West again. Um, but I mean, they've they've added to their roster. Um, Jalen Brunson, I, I just I really don't know how how you defend the guy. He's just so herky jerky in the lane. And then I mean, he just he's so good at just I mean it's it's like Harden in a smaller body of just like he'll he'll lunge into you and he's at the foul line. I mean, you there's nothing you, even when you get him stopped and he's on his pivot foot, he'll just, you know, spin and spin and spin until he draws a foul and he gets it every time. Like I have no idea how to how to stop stop him and then, you know, when you get the other folks rolling, Julius Randle's out right now, but you get him back, um you've got OG Dante DiVincenzo is playing out of his mind. I didn't see mm-hmm. it coming. I mean, he's just starting two guard right now. Um, just impressive work. I mean, again, for the for the Cavs, you want to try to line this up where, if you can, you're seeing that team in the second or the third round of the East if you make it that far. Um, and it's all about, again, trying to make sure you get home court um, for the first two rounds and getting one of the top two seeds. Because, you, I mean, the difference between two and three is, much greater than the difference between one or two if you have to concede, you know, hey, we're not getting the one seed. Boston's so far ahead, so. Agreed. Let's shift west. Maybe another surprise. Minnesota, 36-16, and 16, followed by the Thunder and Clippers. Um, so a, a couple of those ones, so Clippers have played two less games than the Nuggets who are right behind them. It's just, uh, yeah, just fascinating here um, to see uh, where we've been so um, so far. But, Martin, I mean, you got Ant playing out of his mind. The two big stuff with Minnesota is working all right. Shea Gilgis at number two is, is doing phenomenal. Just wow, wow, wow. Um, and then you go down, Suns, you know, definitely probably a tale of too many or, you know, just, again, not enough depth. Brad Beal missed the first chunk of the season for a while. And then you've got Kings at six, Pelicans at seven, um, Mavs at eight, Lakers way down at nine, um, Jazz at 10, um, and then Golden State is 11. So fascinating. What are your thoughts on the West? Uh, Well, 
No one expected Minnesota to be up top. I think I think Anthony Davis playing this summer um, in those championship games with all the other NBA-like stars and veterans really helped his game, and now they've he's figured it out, which is scary for the league. Like you said, him and the Twin Towers down there. We've said this before. Last year in the playoffs, the Timberwolves are the team that gave the uh, eventual champion, the Nuggets, the most problems. So they went to six games against um, Denver. I mean, you got those big guys low. I mean, defensive prowess of Rudy Gobert, offensive prowess of Cat, who scored, who had a 60-point-plus game these past couple weeks ago. I think they're they're very surprising. I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder, I personally thought they were going to be near the top. I mean, um, SGA is my personal favorite player in the league right now. And you saw from last year how they could be this year's kings. Like, they were knocking on the door, and now they're here. Like, they they did really – they did they got uh, Gordon Hayward at this trade deadline, too. We'll see how that goes. Clippers, it's kind of crazy because when the Harden trade happened, they started like 0-6, but as we know – being cast as Tyron Lou, uh, one of the best coaches, maybe if not the best coach in the league, rode that ship. And then there was a point this past week they were in the number one seed, but because of more games played, things like that. And besides that, Denver, Phoenix, Sacramento, I think that all holds serve. I just think that, I mean, they could probably jump. I didn't think the Lakers would be that low at nine, especially since. LeBron and AD have played a majority of the games, but if you take away the bubble, and we talked about it, the Lakers have not really been this good this year. If you take away the bubble, they were undefeated in the bubble, but then everywhere else it was just not good. But then you got you got Dallas, who Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup, but they're explosive too. They made some moves, and then... Utah, right at that 10 spot, but I don't know if they're going to hold, man. Like, I really think if I think Golden State could catch them and get that 10 spot, but I, I just think you could see which teams, like, no disrespect to the Kings, I don't think they're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals or the Pelicans if they get, like, those type of teams, but I, I don't want to get on the Clippers because I really think right now they are they could potentially take out Denver when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors just I mean, what a what an atrocious season. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you have the you have the Draymond the Draymond stuff again of just, I mean, straight assaulting people and and you know, we've got this these check boxes the league has given him before he can return that involves, you know, like essentially like anger management counseling and um, you know, all those things. And then uh, again, just poor performances across the board, some questioning of curse rotation. There was some weird stuff with Kaminga in there, Andrew Wiggins. Just there's, I mean, if they could have dealt Andrew Wiggins, they would have, but there's no market for him right now. I, all those things considered Steph Curry, we know is good enough that he can get them back into the play in. And I, you know, the Lakers for as up and down as they've been, I expect them to be in the, you know, the plan too. And they're mm-hmm. saying, you know, we all saw what we did last year. Um, we just, we needed to get to the dance more or less, but, um, and the craziest part is they're doing for the Lakers, you know, they're doing, 
this with a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James season. I mean, LeBron's 39. He'll be 40 in December. But, uh, you know, you look look around the rest of the roster. I mean, they um, they acquired, um, uh, you know, Gabe from the Heat, Gabe Vincent from the Heat, and he's been out and injured all season, so they haven't seen, you know, uh, one of their – what they thought was going to be a key addition. But um, you just seen some other things fall off uh, for the Lakers, and, and you'll get a random night where, like, okay, well, LeBron and AD didn't play, and then they beat Boston in Boston. Like, it's just it, – I think a lot of that is – is just got to be part of it's on the coach i think um on on darvin but um i mean they're unless something catastrophic happens they're going to be one of those playing teams i think between you know um you know between 10 and 10 and uh what 10 and 10 and 7 10 and 8 like those those teams in that bubble so um somewhere in that range uh but you know looking up mavs they're I mean, they're going to be in there too. Uh, the Kings have definitely split a little bit, I think, this year, especially on the defensive end, which is tough to see with you know a Mike Brown coach team. You normally associate him with defense, but um, they've they've definitely uh, split a little bit. Um, but I mean, I the way things are carrying now, I really don't see much change in the top top four, Martin, in the West. Um, you know, we've got a lot of body of work here for Timberwolves. You know, this is. 52 out of 82 games already played um that they're 36 and 16 and you know they've been doing really really well um and you know the thunder with the recent acquisition too we'll talk about in a second um you know we'll see if that provides some veteran leadership where they those young pups might need it agreed agreed i i I do think it's exciting that we have these newer teams up top, especially like the Timberwolves and Thunders, because they both have very young stars who are becoming more prominent to the casual NBA fan now, which I always enjoy. Martin, let's talk trade deadline. We alluded to it earlier. um, Kind of, you know, really outside of the Knicks, kind of a mediocre Mediocre trade deadline. Um, you know, they uh, they definitely, again, bolster the ranks a little bit. Um, there's a good, funny bit with some of the guys on – that's popped up a couple times on the, the Ringer podcast about, um, you know, when in doubt, trade with dumb teams. And dumb teams are usually at the bottom of the standings <laughs> who give up, you know, stuff for nothing. And, um, you know, that was kind of the, kind of the piece with um, – you know, the Knicks acquiring uh, Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from Detroit, a bottom-dwelling team, um, and they only they gave up Evan Fournier. They gave up um, Ryan Archidiakono, who I think had just set the record for most games played without scoring a point. <laughs> I think it was up to 20 or so. Um, it, you know, they Malachi Flynn, they just got from Toronto, they flipped. Um, Quentin Grimes, they give up. Two future seconds and cash considerations. I mean, the market you would have thought for for Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, should have been probably a first for Detroit. Um, Alec Burks, you know, it, he had had a, a quick cup of coffee with the Cavs. This is now his seventh or eighth team he's been on. He's on the Jazz for a while before um, he was actually on the Knicks previously. But you get both of those, and you know, don't have to touch any of your picks. 
I mean, they are well positioned here. The front office does a great job. So now you add those two shooters um, around, uh, you know, your your core folks, and um, they're definitely the winners of the of the trade deadline. And the hey, let's let's rob the the bottom of the East sweepstakes. And Detroit was a more than willing participant in making another dumb decision, just like giving Monty Williams whatever ten million dollars a year or something crazy as bad as they've been so <laughs> that was that was one of my first takeaways uh yeah it, it's it's the biggest trade of i mean of this trade deadline which is saying something i mean not all trade deadlines have to be splashy they don't but i mean when you could see that a team improved from the trade deadline like the knicks i mean bojan burks and then you got brunson when randall's healthy like you've already said at the beginning of this pod New York is not a team you want to play early in the playoffs. You want to that's a second round or conference finals team because they they they're very dangerous, man. They are. Um that's I mean they I they could easily find themselves in the the East Finals. I mean, I I really think it's I mean, and obviously Milwaukee's going to have something to say about it. I mean, it just is how bad is that defense going to be? It's just so long. I mean, defensively that you'd think that, you know, they're, they're well positioned against anybody, but I mean, the Knicks definitely got scarier. If you're a, you know, a, a Cavs fan, like um, the two of us are kind of looking at it, but I mean, they, they really did a great job. Um, some other quick hits from trade deadline day. Celtics uh, added some front court depth. So just so I was saying the Cavs, you know, I wish we just could have had one more big body. Um, they get uh, Xavier Tillman from, you know, the Grizzlies after their awful season. And, you know, they're down to like eight or nine active players they can have. You know, you had the Morant suspension. Then Morant comes back immediately out for the rest of the year with an injury. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some – they are now bottom dwellers in the, the West standings. But – they gave up former Cav Lamar Stevens a couple seconds, um, and they've added some good front court depth there. Um, uh, Grizzlies also send off the kind of a contract exchange, Stephen Adams for Victor Old Depot to clear some space, probably for the summer and three second picks. They receive as well too, and they um, uh, immediately waive Victor Old Depot. Um, earlier on, you had the Heat picking up Terry Lozier for dumping what's left of Kyle Lowry. Also gave a lottery protected 2027 first. Um, you had again back to that Raptors fire sale. You have the Pacers picking up Pascal Siakam in a future second for Bruce Brown that they just signed. Poor Bruce Brown. How would you like to you know sign a sign a a, a big deal, big contract? And you immediately get get shipped off to a, another team. Um, you got to think that weighs on. You know if you're down between like Pacers and another team moving forward, you're gonna be like, is this how you treat? players you know like six months five months after signing a contract so uh, again huge fire sale in toronto as they kind of hit the uh the reset button um you know siakam one of the last people from that that title team with Kawhi. um so i mean they are completely starting over um martin obviously there was a couple other you know trades throughout the year you know we had we had james harden make his way to the clippers um you know we had you know the um, the Mavs picking up Daniel Gafford, which I think is a good front court depth piece from the Wizards. But, you know, there's a couple teams, you know, Cavs included, that didn't make any deals. Um, you know, I think there's an interesting story there with the Lakers not 
making a deal with the proverbial always there pressure of having, you know, the the one B or number two greatest player of all time on your roster, always hopping up and down, always doing the the tweet. He just did an hourglass tweet on, you know, is it how much time he's got left or how much time he's got left before he bounces. You know, we're always LeBron's always playing forty chess. But, you know, they they didn't make make a deal. And again, they're they're uh, like, what, ninth in the standings we just saw. So, Martin, any any thoughts on the Lakers standing, Pat? So with the Lakers, I do think and I'm sorry for the people who listen to the NBA pod because I'm doing the thing I hate with mainstream sports media being a uh, repetitive record. But I say this every time. I don't understand what Lakers fans we're trying to Lakers slash LeBron fans, whatever. No, because I like LeBron, but Lakers fans were trying to get during this trade deadline. I feel like for the past four years, they've come up with crazy things. I know I shared that one thing months ago, like they were going to try and trade for Donovan Mitchell at the trade deadline. With what? The Lakers have no assets to trade for any viable piece that the fans think is just instantly bolt them to a title so i just don't get what they were looking for like you weren't getting donovan mitchell at the trade deadline you were getting trey young at the trade deadline you weren't getting kyrie Irving at the trade deadline which all the lakers fans always think they're going to get someone i was like what are you going to give the other team no one's trading the Cavs are not dumb enough to trade donovan mitchell for austin reese like it's just not happening like the biggest trade piece you have is ad and you're not getting rid of ad you went all in for the 2020 title and that's what happens and you've said it to evan on multiple podcasts when you have lebron james you go all in and then once his time is up on that team or whatever if you don't get it you reap the benefits and you reap the repercussions and that's just what comes with it so you went all in to get ad ever you got that title in 2020 and that's what that's what you deal with until it's time for him to go. So, I mean, I I think if this were this has been said a couple times publicly, if this is not a 39-year-old LeBron James and this is a 30, 32, 33-year-old LeBron James that the Lakers have, I think you're in a much different position. You're you're he's, he's able to, you know, put his put his uh presses thumb and a little bit more you know in terms of pressure but um so i mean as you said yeah i mean lakers have no assets there was some conversation about all oh, could there be a Dejounte murray piece so they're they're rounding out the end of living out the anthony davis trade from 2019 so this year um the pelicans have their pick in 2024 um and, but they could defer based on what the standings are and say, hey, we'd rather have your 2025 pick betting that next year a, a 40-year-old LeBron James and um, maybe Anthony Davis has a little bit worse of a year that you guys regress a little bit more. Don't forget LeBron. LeBron has a player option. Duke could opt out and, and walk. Now, there's very little teams out there that could command. Not that, you know, some team wouldn't want to move some salary to figure out how to sign him if LeBron's going to force his way there you know he can find a way but um you know there is still the potential of that but so if I'm the Pelicans and you're basically I can have the 2024 pick or 2025 
is, you know, I've got a lot, bunch of young talent myself, partly because of this deal, partly because of the Milwaukee deal with Drew Holiday back in the day. I'm going to punt this can another 12 months in June and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bet on the Lakers being worse in 2025. And then after that, the Lakers can figure out where, and it'll be decided this summer. I mean, the Pel- Pelicans have to decide the 2024 pick or 2025 because the the Ted Stepien rule comes into play where you can't trade successive years of draft picks. So if the Pelicans decide 2024, this summer the Lakers can now start trading 2026, the 2026 first to acquire somebody, 2028, start looking, uh, you know, a ways out. But if I'm the Lakers again, you know, unless it's some giant home run, you got to kind of start balancing post LeBron life with, you know, LeBron assisting current life kind of in his days. Not that he's fallen off because he's a crazy, crazy dude. Just we've never seen anybody do it for this long. Um, Continuing to, you know, to do your, your 20 plus six plus six plus, you know, rebounds, assists. But I mean, things definitely open up for the Lakers a little bit more this, this off season, but, We'll we'll see we'll see what the next few months look ahead because this summer might get um, you know interesting on both sides as they get more more draft capital to open up once the Pelicans make their decision. They got to manage their expectations. You got to really realize what you what you actually have available and what you can actually get. And like you said with LeBron with the opt out thing, I know which he. I, They've people have talked about like, you know, the usual. Oh, he'll go wherever Bronny goes when he gets drafted. And I'm going to say it right now: if LeBron James Jr. gets drafted in the first round, if he even decides to come out, that is the purest example of nepotism because he is not good enough to be a first round pick in the NBA. How would you like to be in the locker room? when LeBron had said a couple months back, Bronny's good enough to play on this team right now. And that's like, a hell being no. proud dad. Mm-hmm. And th- there's being proud dad. And then there's like looking down at the end of your bench and you're like, wait, what? No, <laughs> He's absolutely not. No, there's no. just, it's, and I, and it's crazy too, because like you said earlier, dumb teams, there's going to be dumb teams who, do it if he comes out because they're going to be like, oh, LeBron's going to come here. Like, he's not good enough to play in the NBA right now. And that's okay, too. Like, he needs to stay yep. and get better. Correct. My my prediction, if he comes out, is you'll find a, you'll find a team crazy enough to throw something at him in the 20s yeah. in the first round, which would be way too high. Now, it, could be, it could be an OKC piece where they've got a billion first-round picks and have half of the first round picks anyway from the league or, you know, something like that. But pick 26, 27, I don't know who that ends up being, but I wouldn't be surprised. Martin, let's transition to it's, we are uh, one week away from all-star weekend in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So the all-star rosters have been announced. Um, You have basically team Giannis, team LeBron, LeBron with a, a record-setting um, acceptance in the All-Star game. For the East, your starters, you've got Giannis, you've got Joel, who's not going to play with his knee issues. He's been replaced. Tyrese Halliburton, Dame Lillard, Jason Tatum, and your reserves of Bam, Paolo, Scotty Barnes, J. 
Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, big game Donnie Mitchell, Julius Randle, Trey Young. For the West, you've got, again, LeBron, Luka, KD, Shea, Nick, uh, Nick Jokic, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. They make up your all-star game players. Um, Martin, who's missing in here? So I'm going to backtrack on the first, the starters. starters go. So when the starters got announced, more for the East, and I... I love this person, but Damian Lillard should not be starting in the East. Right. It should be, and I'm not even being a homer, it should be Brunson or it should, it should be, be Donovan. Donovan. Like, those are the only two. Now, if Brunson would have gone in, I'll be like, all right. If Donnie would have gone in, I'll be like, right. but Dame, nah. Dame should not have been starting. It should have been Brunson or Donovan Mitchell. I mean, both are carrying their teams to higher seeds. And, um, well, no, not their fourth, but they've both been very hot and. I, I just, no, Dame should not have been a starter. And I love Dame. And fun fact is his first time ever starting an all-star game just shows the point guard playing really? the West. But that was my, me personally, that was my biggest one when the starters got announced. Yeah, I, I, I agree too. I mean, it's just, it, and part of it is, is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger and it's indirectly as when you see something like that and just saying, Hey, comparing apples to apples here, this isn't working, but like, I just can't, I can't make sense of this in my head. But again, we as the fans globally should not be trusted ever. Um, <laughs> because that's, I feel like that's part, or it should, it should be a very limited voice, like engage the fans, but this should be like 15, 20% of what really should be a coaches and players and GMs vote people in the association who get it. Because I'd like to think that, you know, some common sense or journalists, you know, weave them in there somewhere too. Treat like college football where you got like your, your associated press poll and you got your coaches, coaches poll and you aggregate and maybe 15% in there for fans. But yeah, Damian Lillard should not be starting, should not be starting this game. I, I think he's worthy of being in there for sure, but not at all. So you have, so Joel's out. Um, you've got replacement in, um, Pascal Siakam, who is uh, who is added, Doc Rivers gets the coach's game as wild as that is. I mean, he says he's going to give the money um, to Adrian Griffin and you know may send his staff or something to, or he's going to take a sabbatical Wait. or something. And, question, and not coach. question, real quick, yeah, because you said I thought it was Scotty Barnes who it was Scotty and Trey. Oh, I'm sorry. I yes, I you're exactly right. Yep, I, I did the wrong. Um, Toronto Ford. Yep, sorry. And respectfully, he Ford. shouldn't yes, be I, there either. So I, I agree. <laughs> and I think so. For me, the struggle with it is, and I'll, I'll Cavs Homer here with Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, impressive run, impressive streak is what this does is here's, and we've seen it happen before. I mean, bad, uh, high stats, bad team, um, particularly in Scotty Barnes. But I mean, Adam Silver gets to pick the replacements. And okay, well now you get, you know, maybe a huge populace or influx of viewers from Canada now and from a new team's market because I mean that's what this is. Let's be honest. No, I mean, I, Scotty's not. I will say Scotty's not his. I mean, I struggle with that. 
So yeah, Jarrett would have been my Jarrett would have been my pick. I mean, I think he was among contenders, but um, and obviously Julius Randall injured too. So who was who was the other appointee? Was that Trey? Yeah, yeah, twenty-seven and eleven assists. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey. I, regardless of where the Hawks are too, I mean, that's a similar case. But Trey has been playing out of his mind a little bit on the West side. The one that snub that really I think universally is up there is and I don't know who I'd even replace him with is the bonus um, almost 20 points per game 13 rebounds per game 8 assists I mean he's 2 assists away from averaging a triple double on 62% from the field um, again I don't know who I'd take out to replace him maybe Cat but Martin, any, anybody stand out to you on the West as a as a huge snub? Yeah, so the West, too, I know it's guard-heavy and all of that, but even both, even his running mate, I mean, well, what you would call it, De'Aaron Fox has been having a really good year as well. And when we talk about, yep. and when we talk about, like, snubs and all that, just like you said, you have to decide who you would take off. I mean... I think Carl Anthony Towns is on there because also he has good stats, but also his team is the number one team in the West. So they're rewarding because the reserves are more picked by the coaches. They're um, counting in winning as a factor. So I think that's, but he would be the person I would replace with Sabonis. I mean, that's the only, only person I would take off looking at the, West roster. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's much, much closer. There's not a, a giant, yeah, I don't know, this guy should be in here in the West. But, um, Martin, are you are you excited for, for All-Star? So they, they kept tweaking in recent years. The, you know, they had the, you know, they had that extension of the game added on, um, you know, with the target score and everything else. Um, what, where are you at with All-Star game? Uh, I think with the all-star game, I mean, I will watch it. I just don't, it's not the same, like, obviously, like when we were younger, even young adults, like, the trying in the fourth quarter has really diminished. Like, there used to be an unspoken rule that, hey, we're going to mess around these first, but, like, if they, if it's real deal, game is close in the fourth quarter, we're actually going to go. I really don't like the target score. I would just like them to play to the finish, especially in a close game. But the weekend in general, man, is just... I mean, if there's no pop on the Saturday night with the three-point shootout and the dunk contest and all that, you go into the game and it's like, all right, we're just watching... just to watch a um, glorified expedition exhibition game, which is fine, but I think what gets more diehard fans angry is that these guys when people use the oh they don't want to get injured but then they play harder in like their summer league games like their summer stuff with these when they're playing against each other they do the all-star game i think that annoys people i think you've i think you've got to incentivize it i mean the one that's been there for years is like have some pride in the conferences again and Let's go the let's go the the old school baseball route and winner gets finals advantage. 
ooh, like home field, like the old base. Yeah, I mean. Whoever wins this game, because, I mean, I think any year you're like, hey, there's five teams realistically that can that can win the title or even are in discussion, and you know it by all-star time, east and west. Like, listen, there's there's an argument here. If there's injuries or whatever else, maybe that fifth team could bolt themselves up or maybe they just recently made it an acquisition. But I think those those players on those teams, and sometimes, you know, they'll get multiple players like Giannis and Dame and, um, you know, uh, Booker and, and Durant and, I mean, the, those guys will play hard. And I think pride will drive the rest of the all-star roster to try to try to do that as well, too. And then you've got coaches that are, you know, the, the leading folks in the pack for, you, I mean, it's, a, it's usually a coach on, you know, one of the top teams on either conference that, you know, they're going to try to put themselves in position to, to earn that. And you earn that for your conference is, hey, you know, right now Boston has the best record in the league, but um, if the West comes out and hammers the East, sorry, Boston, West gets advantage. And I think that's, I think that's worth it. I really do. I also think, too, with the incentive, you just, you just saw it because there were some teams, Lakers specifically, who were playing super hard for a meaningless play-in tournament. Just because of some incentive, like the extra money, the first play-in tournament, like you just saw it. So why can't you get that effort in an all-star game if these players were playing that hard in for an exhibition? Like, I mean, that tournament does nothing for the regular season. I know we've talked about like, oh, how can they make it even more serious? But they were, people were playing hard for that extra 500000 so I think you should do that same thing for the all-star game. If you give all right, here's here's a crazy one. And I'm not really serious, but it's interesting. New idea. You do the winner gets winner gets um home court in the finals. Mm-hmm. And then the winning team also gets um for players in that conference three games back from the awards qualifier. Sixty five game mark. So you can miss 68 games and still qualify. No, I, I like that because then... You talk about the money and contracts there that, hey, if I suddenly am now eligible for first-team all-defense again, and I was already close, or I know I can take a game off when it's a back-to-back and I'm in Milwaukee after just playing Cleveland and my knee is absolutely tore up and killing me, and I feel like I got to play. I could t- I could afford to take that off. Give me three games. Give me three games back, and it's a fluctuating sixty-five to sixty-eight games. Or, or sorry, it's a fluctuating. I had that backwards. It's a fluctuating sixty-two to sixty-five game minimum to be awards eligible. And so many of these players and their contracts. Yeah, if you make first team all defense, there's an extra four hundred k. Or you know what I mean? So. I also think with that, for some players, they would play harder for their teammates, like a Tyrese Maxey, because his team would get those game back, so that could also help Joel Embiid and all of that stuff. Absolutely. No, I like it. I like it. But speaking of that, with the game is back, it's finally become a reality for some of these NBA players. 
uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Joel Embiid, they've brought it up. I mean, about the, well, Joel Embiid, for people on his behalf, have brought up about, you know, the loan management rule that came into effect and saying it's not fair and all of that. I'm just going to quickly, quickly say when Tyrese said this is what the owners want, I was like, I mean, this is what the TV people wanted because they got tired of hosting nationally televised games and you guys decided to take those off. This is what fans wanted because, again, we've talked about it multiple times. Normal middle-class family has to save up a lot of money to go to a big NBA game and get some good seats. So, I mean, it was brought, you guys brought it upon yourselves. I mean, with the resting and the coaches and all that and Popovich, I know he started this whole stuff, but it was brought on, but it didn't just come out of random. It was brought on by the players. Like, you guys were doing it, and now, just like everyone says, there's consequences to your actions, and here we are. And at the end of the day, the players union agreed to it. Um, yep. Martin, a sixty-five game, a sixty-two, a sixty-five game minimum played out of uh, eighty-two possible games equates to seventy-nine point two percent, or a seventy-nine point two percent threshold for showing up to work. I, I'd like to think you'll probably get in trouble if you don't show up at least to set, or you know, to at least seventy-nine percent of. Um, your day job, my day job, like I, I'd hope I'd be held accountable if I'm not showing up to that as the minimum. Um, it, it, again, it's, and it, it's different, right? I mean, it, this is, there's a physical element there and people get injured and hurt and those kinds of things. And I think even regular work, you know, there's, there's coworkers and stuff that are going through medical stuff in any line of field. And sometimes, you know, if you get hit with the flu a lot harder year, or, you know, you've got a spouse with the flu or kids that are sick and all those kinds of things. And, you know, you'll have up and down years, but by and large, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation to show up for at least 79% of your required days to work. Agreed. Agreed. Just real quick, Evan, two, one, two more things, really. Um, who's your first half, like, season winner and losers? Ooh, that's the first half season winner. Um, we could throw the Cavs already in that spot. <laughs> yeah, Cavs are, Cavs are already in that spot. That's easy. Um, if I'm going to add one more, you know, I, I absolutely think um, – uh, Oklahoma City is, is up there. I mean, just as they continue that rise, you know, what, what both Jay Williams, uh, Jalen Williams are doing, J-Dub, you know, whatever we're, we're calling. But, I mean, what they've been able to do, what Shea's been able to do, what Mark Dagnall has been able to orchestrate with all these young kids and not really having any front court size to do it. Um, and you forget uh, outside of Chet, but absolutely impressive losers um you know i think just we knew it was going to be an uphill climb i think people were optimistic memphis could stay afloat but that's been that's been tough to see um they they absolutely are our losers here um and you know i think not to you know beat up on the haves and have nots and especially the have nots i mean i i've got to have detroit up there is this is this is an awful season. This is these are awful decisions that have been made at the trade deadline. I mean, the front office, Troy Weaver, all those all those folks have just 
continued to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Um, you know, you could th throw in acquiring Marvin Bagley, then sending him off again. Like, just what are you doing? So they're my, they're my, they're one of my losers for the, the season. How about you? Um, man, let me look. Loser. It's hard because I don't, I don't want to pick Detroit, but again, they've just been so, so bad. But I think my loser, I'm going to be specific right now, first half. Jordan Poole, man. Like, <laughs> you realize it ain't. Zero points against the Cavs the other night. It's not easy when you're a more primary option and you don't got Steph, Clay, Draymond, all of those guys, like, on you, like he has all these expectations, all this stuff coming there, and it's not easy. And he's realizing it, man. So it's not easy when you're the number two, because I would assume Kyle Kuzma, I would say Kyle Kuzma is the more number one, but yeah, it ain't easy when you're number two. And then when number one goes out, you're the number one on the floor, and everyone can hone in on you, and you're getting the team's best defenders, all that. It is not easy. I've got speaking of not easy. I, that just prompted one more one more winner to add. My guess is you'd probably agree with, with this too. So maybe it's a shared winner for the two of us for an individual. Um, Victor Wembanyama, mm -hmm. as advertised, arguably greatest prospect. You know, people kept saying since LeBron. You know, we've got the NBA app and we're following, you know, French basketball, you know, for a year and a half leading up to it. And they're broadcasting it on the app. Um, dude is as advertised and is performing out of his mind. Um, and then the what he's able to do defensively, blocking the three-point shots, blocking jump shots. Nobody wants to go to the basket um, with him in there. It's, it's such a, it's such a thing to scheme for even though the spurs aren't aren't too good they've got to get some talent around them quick but um as advertised you could so easily falter under the pressure and the expectations and you know we've we've seen that from players over the years where they come in and they're just not they're just not quite what we thought they were for a number of reasons but um i i'd say victor uh, a winner mm, i agree and then just the very, very last thing, because this did just happened on Thursday, that uh, late great Kobe Bryant, the first statue was unveiled. It was the pose he made when he scored 81 points. So he's getting two more statues at the, uh, I'm not calling it the, the Staples Center. Uh, next one will have the number 24 on it, and then the next one will be with him and his daughter. So just wanted to make sure we ended on that note. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think well done doing multiple statues. Obviously there are different eras of Kobe, you know, some video resurfaced yesterday. I was watching about, you know, somebody just asking him of like, who was Kobe with number eight and who's Kobe at 24. And he talked about the harder road with 24 and, you know, just that I always like to choose the harder road, um, you know, all those kinds of things. But, you know, I, I think the, the pose wasn't one of the ones that we all thought, like, I think when we think of, 
some of the iconic Kobe things we think of, um, you know, the standing on top of the, uh, the scores table, you know, with arms extended, you know, we think about the fate, the turnaround, the iconic turnaround, mm-hmm. fadeaway shot, the, the Jersey in the mouth, all those things. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's a story to tell. They did it on two, eight, 24, great job by Lakers. And then, you know, Vanessa Bryant saying, you know, when previous conversations come, uh, came up about this, he picked this. He wanted it to be this one. The the, the point with 81, uh, right after 81 against the Raptors, um, he wanted it to be this. And then that immediately shuts down all the naysayers. They were expecting something else. Yeah. And with that being said, can't wait to see what the second half of the NBA season unfolds. All-star break. Um, is President's Day weekend, so uh, let's see how the three-point shootout, the Steph versus Sabrina shootout, Rising Stars Challenge, the dunk contest, and the All-Star Game. We'll see how that all goes out of it. And to everyone listening, have a great NBA All-Star weekend when this comes out. And uh, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C Podcast. Signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.